This morning, my wife and I were texting back and forth and just checking in on all the things that are going on in our little world of Knoxville, Tennessee right now. And we were sharing names back and forth of people over the last 48 hours who are close to us who have tested positive for COVID, a number of others who are having to quarantine because they've been exposed to COVID and the results of their tests aren't back yet. Schools all around us that are shutting down due to rising cases, and in our case, rapidly rising cases here in our area. Businesses that are having to close their doors, nearby states that are reissuing shelter-in-place orders, and bracing for impact, really, just waiting for the word that we are shutting back down again to quarantine at home. And if I'm honest, I really thought that come the end of November, we would be in a very different spot than we are now. I really didn't think that we would find ourselves back into this place again, let alone so quickly. You know, somebody asked me last week my thoughts on 2020. And I said, to quote King James, it sucketh. It sucketh big time. And I kid a little bit, but in all seriousness, uh, I don't know if I've ever lived through a harder year than this year, let alone had to try to pastor and lead through this year. And I know that's true of many of us. You just think about all of the things that have happened over the last 12 months. You think about uh, the racial tensions in our country lives that were lost, violent protests that went on for weeks and for months, and some of which continue to this day. You think about the pandemic, right? The quarantining at home for some of us with small children for months, which those kids are not built for and neither are mom and dad. The fear and anxiety over what will happen Man, I, I think about the millions of jobs that have been lost and the businesses that have had to close or file for bankruptcy, the hundreds of thousands of lives uh, that have been lost in the U.S. alone, and that as we enter into the winter months and the flu season amidst some dire projections of what that might mean for our communities. I mean, shoot, you think about the natural disasters, dozens of hurricanes that have battled the coasts, uh, fires, so many thousands of acres of wildfires that destroyed land and homes and left families uh, displaced. Oh, and then bonus, murder hornets. Those are a thing in 2020. And all this is to say nothing of this contentious election year and the polarization and the division that that has caused in our country. And of course, all this is on top of the normal everyday stuff, right? The relationship stuff. Uh, marital struggles, which many of which have been compounded by being quarantined and financial struggles and fear regarding the future, uh, parenting challenges, health scares, stuff that already makes life difficult and hard. And man, I mean, while some of these things affect our lives to varying degrees, I really believe there is there's a, a cumulative effect to all this. 
You know, for you, I don't know about for you, but for me, there have been days, weeks, even months this year where I'm just, I just feel like I've got nothing left in the tank. I'm just tired and weary and beat. And in all that, for my, my own part, one of the things that it has created in me in such a crazy year, so many difficult things, is it has created in me a, a longing for more of Jesus. I just want more of Jesus. I, I've got a stack of books next to my bed. Uh, some of them are old ones that I'm rereading for the first time since high school and <laughs> college. Uh, some of them are new, but the entire stack is on the person and work of, of Jesus. And it's really interesting, you know, when you, you immerse yourself in the person of Jesus and you begin to see this world through kingdom eyes, uh, and I know this is true all the time, but especially in a year like ours, I have just been amazed at how anti-Christ the ways of this world truly are. And I'm talking to how antithetical to the way of Jesus this world operates. I mean, I th think about the way we, we talk to each other and about each other, the way we often treat one another, the way we so easily devalue and demonize the people we disagree with. I think about the way in which the powerful so often use their position for selfish gain and often at the expense of the powerless. Think about our willingness to assume the worst of one another oftentimes rather than assuming the best or our willingness to inflict violence on our fellow man. So much of what I see on the news and in my newsfeed looks so very different than the way of the Nazarene. But you know, as depressing as that might sound, the truth is, amidst all of it, what I found is the darker that things at times seem to be, and in a year like this, there have been times when it has just seemed so dark, but the darker the things often seem to be, I found that it, it's in those places that Jesus and his gospel shines all the brighter. I mean, the more broken that this world and the ways of this world show themselves to be, the more beautiful the way of Jesus, the healer, shines forth. And so what that has created in me is I just want more of him. I want more of Jesus. I want more of the work of Jesus. I want more of the person of Jesus. I want more of the presence of Jesus. I, I want all of it. And if I'm honest, I want that for you too. And so I share all that because you got to know that that's going to, that's going to find its way onto this podcast a lot. I, I feel like in this season, I'm, I'm leaking Jesus because uh, I'm so just submersed in him and I don't want to go anywhere. So we are going to talk a lot about Jesus and deep dive into him. And here's the thing. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that along the way, as we go on this journey together, that you will encounter him, the real Jesus, the living, ruling, reigning Jesus in ways that will leave you and I forever changed.
Almost as soon as I sensed this invitation from Jesus to press in deeper, there was a word that came to mind, a word that I just sensed that there was something important for me in it and something important for us to, to press in and to discover. And that word is the word abide. Now, abide is it's a biblical word and it's a Jesus word. It's a, it's a word that Jesus used at a pretty critical time in his life and ministry. We find it in John chapter 15, and, and I think a little context here is important because this is towards the, the very end. All right, when Jesus spoke these words that we're going to read in the upper room, he was, he was a dying man, and he knew it. Jesus knew that in the next 24 hours that he would be hanging on a cross and he knew that the disciples to whom he was speaking, that they would be terrified, they would, they would be undone. Many of them would flee for their lives. Some of them would run back to their old jobs and families to the only thing that they, they ever knew before Jesus, hoping and praying that the Romans and the religious authorities would not pursue them with the same kind of fervor as they did Jesus. And so Jesus knows that these are some of his final moments before his death that he is going to have with them. And so he is trying to, seeking to infuse this time and these words with as much meaning and direction as possible. And it's in this context, as he comes to the end of his life, and he is speaking his final words to his disciples before he would be betrayed and killed, that he says, these words beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Those are some powerful, powerful words. I mean, 
just listen to some of Jesus's words in this passage, some of his final words before his death and resurrection to those who would follow after him. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. If you do, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. These are some powerful, powerful words here. I, I, do you hear them, these words? These words that are for you. And some observations from this passage that I want to share with you. Just a, just a couple here. And I, I hope that these will be uh, one part in, encouraging and one part challenging. First observation is this, and I think it's important that abiding is a choice, right? It's not a given. In fact, Jesus doesn't assume for a minute that all who claim to be his followers or call themselves disciples or Christians will actually do this. In fact, it seems that this is, this is not something we drift into or something that we even naturally do. So he says, if you abide, if not, not when you abide or while you're abiding, but if you abide, which means this is a conscious choice that we have to make. And it's not just a one-time choice that we make, uh, like getting baptized or praying the sinner's prayer. No, this is a choice that you and I have to make. And we have to make it every day. Uh, we have to make it every hour. <laughs> uh, in 2020, we might have to make this multiple times every hour. Will I abide? Right? There's a choice before every one of us every day. Today, what am I going to do? Am I going to abide in Jesus or not? Am I going to follow in his way or am I going to go my own way? Abiding is a choice. Secondly, abiding is tethered to obedience. Right? Notice how Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Right? Which means we can't live a life that's marked by disobedience to Jesus and expect to experience the fullness of his joy or the full life that he comes to offer us. Right? And I think this is really important because for far too long, I fear the modern evangelical church has often sought to tame, sanitize, and domesticate the real Jesus. And that's that's at its best. I mean, I think at our worst, we have perhaps even co-opted him for our own purposes and agendas to the point that he no longer looks like the scandalous, untamable, wild man we find in the Gospels. And then we wonder why so many Christians in their churches look so unlike Christ. 
but I'm convinced our families, our cities, this nation needs us all to go back to the source, to fall on our face, to immerse ourselves in the real Jesus and let him set the agenda, not for some things, not for the things that are comfortable or easiest, but to set the agenda for literally everything that we do. He is not just the beginning. He is the end. He is not just the ends. He is the means. He is the way, the truth, the life. And so we cannot treat Jesus and his way as anything less than everything. And so our abiding in him and experiencing the fullness of his joy and the fullness of the life that he offers is tethered to our willingness to obey and to walk in his way. Abiding is tethered to obedience. And then lastly, thirdly, and this is perhaps the most hopeful and encouraging thing in this passage, and it's this. Abiding is a discipline. And I know we don't really like the word discipline, but I find this so incredibly encouraging and infused with hope um, that abiding is not only something we have to choose to do each day, but it's also something that we actually have to learn how to do and grow in. Right? In other words, we are not naturally proficient at abiding any more that we are naturally proficient at pole vaulting. And that is one of the most powerful and hopeful things in this passage is that it is truly an invitation to more. There is more to be had. There is more of Jesus for us. There's more of Jesus to be enjoyed. There's more of Jesus to be experienced. There's more of Jesus to know. And I don't mean just in an informational way, but more of Jesus to know in an experiential way, in a personal way, in a relational way. And that is really good news. That there is more of Jesus for the taking and more that Jesus, I believe, wants to give us if we want it. I want to end by reading an ancient prayer attributed to St. Patrick. It's a prayer that dates all the way back to the 5th century. And as you may know, St. Patrick, like Jesus, was a wild man. And driven by his passionate faith in Jesus and his abandonment to the way and invitation of Jesus, he was largely responsible for unleashing one of the largest Jesus movements in the history of Ireland. And this is a portion of one of his ancient prayers that I think is really appropriate to where we're at in this moment, what we're talking about. And my prayer is that St. Patrick's prayer would become our own. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, 
Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the ear that hears me. Friends, may this become the prayer of our heart, the prayer of our families, and the prayer of our churches. Amen. Grace and peace, friends.